This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson in my tiny little dorm room. I hope it doesn't sound too crazy in here. The, uh, <laughs> the vibrations just bounce off the walls like crazy. So if the sound's a little different, get used to it for the next three weeks. I don't have a whole lot of other options, but I will be home like a day a week, something like that. Anyway, um, it is Wednesday morning here. The Steelers yesterday finished their first padded practice and... Uh, let's just say it was a heck of a lot different than what we've seen up till now. Practice before the break, you know, they had uh, Monday off. So Tuesday was their first padded practice. It was very good. I mean, it's just you can only do so much without pads hitting, et cetera, et cetera. So as expected, but maybe even exceeding expectations, coming back Tuesday, especially after Coach Tomlin gave a lot of the veterans, I mean, like Chuksakor for Patrick Peterson, Cam, Watt, all those guys, Sunday off. So they all came back with a very long weekend, rested, excited. And boy, it showed up on the field. And it was an excellent practice. It was a long practice. Seven shots, as usual, was spirited. But, you know, in, in a seven-shot situation, you were able to do inside runs to Najee and, you know, the defense could actually do everything possible to keep him out of the end zone, things like that. So it was real football, you know, is basically what I'm saying. So it's the first time we've seen real football, honestly, since the Steelers' last game of last year. And we'll call it 90% of real football. I'm not sure that T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward had their best pass rush plan for every snap as if they were in Cincinnati in the middle of November or whatever. But you get the drift. A um, lot more to take away from that. Some of the highlights you've probably seen by now, Pickens' catch was basically ridiculous. He one of those go-up-and-get-it Odell-style one-handers against Joey Porter Jr. I mentioned to you they have a little bit of a rivalry going. That's fun. There's no question about that. Um, competitive rivalry. And the next – and Porter, a great coverage. It was just an unbelievable play by Pickens. And then the next snap, of course, Tomlin puts him back out there. Pickens kind of dips to the outside, smokes him on an inside slant and with all kinds of space, which is a really tough route to deal with as a corner, defending all that grass. But again, in-breaking routes. You're going to hear me talk about that a lot today. Um, check out my article. Um, that's what we're going to do in the second half of this is kind of review my article from the week. It's been up for two days now. A lot of good responses from you guys. Thank you. Um, but we saw a lot of one-on-ones, you know, D-back versus receiver. I focused more on backs on backers. They were going on at the same time. Uh, Landon Roberts really stood out in that regard. Herbig looked good. I thought Broderick Jones did well from what I saw from um, uh, Alexander, the new linebacker. He showed some pop as well. I liked Warren in protection. So really good takeaway there. Very physical. 
extremely long period of backs on backers and receivers on uh, corners. So they really took that to the extreme, in my opinion. I mean, just in terms of length and number of guys getting reps. Great to see. Um, I didn't have nearly as good of a vantage point for O-line versus D-line. They were in the far field and where we sit, you don't see that great. But I thought Leal, Benton, those guys showed up. Herbig as well. Broderick Jones as well, no question. Um, James Daniels had some good reps. So just wanted to give you the vibe of practice yesterday, the first uh, padded practice. It was very physical, very spirited. Long, a lot of players stayed after, as they always do, but seemed even more yesterday. Fans were super into it. It was a great day. So I think they got an awful lot out of that first padded practice. Um, Take a little break here, as we always do, and then I'm going to come back and just scan my article with you guys, some things I've seen. And the, the basis of the article is what I saw Leading into yesterday, you know, the acclimation period, some stuff I'm noticing schematically, and it's promising. So I'll be back here in a minute. So one thing that stood out to me going back to minicamp is the usage of their running backs. So a lot of the snaps, they come, they break the huddle, and no matter who the back is, Harris, Warren, McFarlane, are often detached outside the numbers. So Kenny's in empty with a back far detached. And more often than not, they bring that guy in. It's even Connor Hayward at times. Not that he's a back, but... He's kind of everything. They, they will often motion him in, which helps with man zone indicators. It's not always a dead on indicator, but you get something pre-snap. And you also get those guys moving their feet before the snap. So don't think jet, you know, Anthony McFarland has some jet uh, handoff, you know, capabilities, of course. But they're using those guys to get moving in a route Hayward's used a lot as a blocking back from that situation. And I feel like they're really comfortable with their top three running backs as well as Hayward. We can call him a fullback and call him a tight end, whatever. But we'll talk about him later. And the reason I say that is I've seen a lot of pony packages, which is two running backs on the field at once. You know, like when they're resting Najee, you see Warren and McFarland out there. Both of whom, all three of whom are, I would say, very underrated route runners, receivers, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's something to look at. And they all are willing blockers, too. There's a lot of times I don't love when teams put two running backs, two true running backs on the field together. Because one of them that's not getting the ball isn't always a real willing blocker. I don't think that's the case with these guys. It's a nice wrinkle. Um but what worries me, I mean, not worries me, but what makes it tough is in order to do that, you're either taking Robinson or Washington. Or you're taking somebody off the field that's quality player. Still, I like it quite a bit. Um, McFarland, I think they have a very distinct plan in place for him. But the big thing that's killed him the last two years is, you know, he's not a special teamer. So can't really participate in that way where Benny Snell was a huge special teamer and McFarland isn't. 
I think they're going to make up for it in other ways, get special teams contributions from non-running backs to have McFarland you know, available on game day. I'm sure they realize that while their running game was productive, it wasn't explosive. He has some of that. I'm not saying he's going to lead the team in carries or anything like that, but as much as they use him and the way they use him in practice, I think they're excited about McFarland. I know they're excited about Connor Hayward. This guy plays everywhere. Like I said, call him a fullback, call him a tight end. It really doesn't make any difference. And some of that ambiguity, like a, a Kyle use check, can really work in their favor. You know, you're going to use them out of the backfield as blocker. I mean, over the middle of the field. I mean, where he's really shining is outside the number or inside the numbers, which is a real, real weak area for this team in the past. But even when he lines up outside the numbers, if a linebacker follows him out pre-snap, there's a good chance they're going to him because he's a really sharp route runner. Just to talk about the middle of the field stuff, just so happened Pro Football Focus today put out, or I guess it was yesterday, kryptonite for every AFC quarterback. And the, the Kenny's is the middle of the field, which I wrote this article before that, but it just reiterates what I've been talking about. And here's what they said about him. They said, Kenny Pickett impressed as a rookie. But the Steelers were extremely poor at working the middle of the field. And they show a heat map, which there's no heat in the middle of the field. Uh, Pittsburgh doesn't even run routes in the, into the middle of the field of the, to, to a large degree, leaving Pickett with little means of attacking one of the most important areas of the field. 100% agree. So it really wasn't on him. I mean, maybe they don't feel comfortable with him doing it, but the play calls weren't there. They only threw between the numbers on 20% of their passing attempts last year, very low. And in that small sample size, he was really poor, as I've told you a million times, between 10 and 20 yards downfield. He, if he was under 20, 10 yards, and again, just between the numbers, he was about league average, slightly below. But in the middle of the field, over 20 yards, he was like the best in the league. I mean, he had a... Completion percentage of 63%, where league average is 40%. But again, small sample size. And then that middle, the true middle of the field between the numbers from 10 to 20 was really rough. But as I mentioned in the article, you know what? They're addressing it. A lot more in-breaking routes. Allen Robinson, Darnell Washington, they do their best work in that area, as well as the red zone. As I've told you a million times, that's where they struggled greatly. So this is another little nugget I dug up, two of these, is Pickett ranked dead last in target rate on slant routes. 2.2 of his attempts, and that's one of the easiest routes in the league, Remember all the slants Ben threw to especially Deontay his last year. I mean, they weren't glorious plays, but they kept the chains moving. To be last in the league in slants, I think needs to change. And watching practice, I think it is. And then here's another little nugget that's a little crazy too, is in Matt Canada's two years as offensive coordinator, the only team with fewer passing yards between the numbers, at least five yards downfield, is the Bears. The Steelers have 1,945 yards in this area of the field over two years. The Bears have just under 1,800. But the Steelers threw 1,235 passes during that stretch, and the Bears threw 919. <laughs> so, in terms of attacking the middle of the field, they've basically been the worst in the league for two years. But my point here is 
if practice is any indication, which you would think it is, you don't practice stuff you don't need to get better at, I'm seeing improvement and certainly addressing it. And so what I wanted to see is, do they recognize their problems the same way I do? Not that I know more than them, but I think there's some obvious problems. I think a lot of you agree. And are they addressing it in practice early in camp or not? And the answer is definitely yes. And it's definitely schematic stuff from Canada. So we'll see. All right, guys, take care over and out. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.